Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumpaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome into Brewcast from Mesa Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Luke Giardi joined by Trevor Woods and we are here with you on Halloween night, Monday, October 31st as we head into Tuesday, November 1st and the final month of the college football regular season. Cannot believe we are hitting the home stretch here. It goes by so fast each and every year, Trevor, but good to be with you here tonight uh, again, man, and a lot to get to, obviously. How are you? Doing well, man. Been a crazy weekend. Was up till like 6 a.m. Sunday morning after the Michigan State Michigan night game and all the madness that followed, but uh, looking forward to talking to you about all things that happened during the game and the extracurriculars after. Yeah, man, I know you and I talked about it. We don't want to spend a a whole lot of time or a, a bunch of this podcast talking about that because we, we know pretty much everyone's doing that everyone's talking about the tunnel incident uh we'll, we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit here obviously uh but we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because well everyone is and, and quite honestly it's a little bit exhausting at this point uh ultimately uh anyone you know pretty much my thoughts are anyone making any sort of excuses whatsoever whether it's the uh the the one tunnel thing or the fact that you know McBurrows and Javon Green were I don't know skipping or something we we saw McBurrow skipping a little bit into the tunnel and then he just started walking normally there's no camera feed to, to what happened prior to that there are reports uh, that one of the players that Jamon Green was attacked, we did see that uh, with a couple Michigan State players and getting hit with a helmet. And then the reports that Jaden McBurls tried to step in and then he got, uh, y- you know, assaulted by a-, a couple of different Michigan State players. 
Um, at this point, we're going to let the, you know, uh, I'm guessing the authorities handle the situation. Michigan State has announced four uh, suspensions. I'd imagine more on the way after the uh, footage from the ESPN ABC cameras. Uh, ultimately, bad display, uh, you know, a, a real shame, um, a very dark moment in this, you know, rivalry. And, yeah, I mean, what more can you say about it that hasn't been said? It, it was it, it was bad behavior. It absolutely cannot happen. Um, and, you know, Michigan's just got to move on. You, you get the win. You got Paul back, and you've got uh, Rutgers coming up here this week, and everything else is going to be taken care of by uh, the administrators and the authorities. Exactly, and that's what Jim Harbaugh actually told Brad Galley uh, a little bit ago. Brad always posts his video on Twitter of his conversations with Jim and the Glick Fieldhouse. And Harbaugh was saying that this is unprecedented, what happened, the tunnel assault, and that the players are still reeling from it from a mental perspective. Of course, of course, Jim on green and Jaden McBurrows, first and foremost, but the whole team collectively, they are feeling what, uh, what we're all feeling, quite frankly. Uh, anybody, Michigan fan or not, who has witnessed the videos, should be disturbed by it. And if you're not, that kind of is a reflection of your character. If you view these videos and don't have a problem, don't take issue with seeing 10 guys gang up on another and physically assault somebody else, there's an issue with you mentally. And we're seeing it on certain radio stations, certain radio broadcasts in the Michigan State sphere trying to spin it and trying to blame Jim Harbaugh, even <laughs> Michigan State's rival site. And this is very disturbing. We see this type of stuff in politics as well. And this is an area where we should all come together and call balls and strikes for what they are. There, there should be no spin on this. This type of behavior should be condemned. Mel Tucker today, he apologized to Michigan publicly. He hasn't talked to Jim Harbaugh. Mel Tucker, he suspended four players. More players will be suspended. Players will probably be prosecuted, and some will be arrested. And that's the bottom line. And there's been no indication that these Michigan players said anything to deserve what happened to them. And even if words are spoken, this soul sticks and stones may break your bones thing, well, there's still no justification for the heinous videos that we've seen in that tunnel. So yeah, we might not be dwelling on this more than a few more minutes, but certainly disturbing. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned some of the stuff you're going to hear, uh, heard a couple of losers down in Detroit today, try and blame this incident on Jim Harbaugh. Uh, you, this is one of those moments where you got to, uh, kind of, kind of pick and choose who you decide that, that you, you know, want whose opinions you want to take seriously, uh, on the matter. And I've, I've got mine who's, uh, people I respect and opinions that matter and opinions that don't. And uh, if we're a couple opinions that matter to you, we really appreciate you being here on the show here tonight. So uh, not going to waste any more uh, time on the, the tunnel incident because that seemingly is, is taken away uh, uh, from what transpired out there on the field. And that's the fact that Michigan State did show way more fight in that tunnel than they did out on the football field. It was an absolute drubbing uh, by Michigan of Michigan State. Though, uh, I will say, you know, the first quarter didn't didn't go exactly as planned. Michigan State was leading 7-3 to three at the end of the first quarter. But Michigan, the tried and true game plan, man, they just wear down their opponents. 
Second half adjustments, uh, particularly uh, on the defensive side and from Jesse Minter, have been nothing short of outstanding here this year. It, it was two completely different halves for Michigan on the defensive side of the football. There were uh, what we saw in the first half, probably some paths to victory uh, for Michigan State had things continued and adjustments not been made, and particularly Peyton Thorne uh, just letting Keon Coleman go up and make plays because he was outstanding in the first half. But Michigan made the proper adjustments and shut down that MSU offense entirely uh, in the second half. And, And then, of course, the run game. Once again, Michigan's run game is... Second to none in the country, uh, to be quite honest with you. You know, they were uh, amazing. Blake Corum, what more can be said uh, about, you know, his ability? And you take a look at uh, Michigan, you know, rushing for the the 276 yards, uh, 5.3 yards per, per rush. Um, and I, I love the uh, I love the fact that Michigan got 2.4. This is according to Bill Connolly's uh, box score, 2.4 yards before contact and then three yards after contact. And that's what Blake Corum is able to do. It's it's the yards after contact. His ability to stay on his feet, running through arm tackles, dragging defenders with him, getting those extra yards that result in first downs. And Michigan, I, I understand we'll get into the red zone, um, you know, inefficiencies here a, a little bit, but about three points per drive with, with the number of drives that they had. They had 10 drives. I mean, it, it's going to work out in your favor quite a bit of the time. Exactly. Let's start with Corum, and we need to all put the notion to bed that he can't succeed in short-yarded situations. Corum is increasingly reminding me of one of Jim Harbaugh's most favorite players of all time, a guy he coached in Frank Gore, who's one of the best running backs in NFL history. And Gore, also a small guy, I believe he might have been around 5'8", 5'9", just like Corum, but Corum has such a good small center of gravity that Corum can get so low to the ground that it looks like he's flying an inch from the ground like Superman to pick up three or four extra yards. And Corum's very physical too, pound for pound, perhaps the toughest guy on the Michigan team. And not only is Corum tough and doesn't go down when his ankles are contacted, he can razzle-dazzle and juke the hell out of defenders. So that was great to see once again. Clearly a Heisman candidate. He'll be in New York City. I think no matter what at this point, it's certainly trending that direction. And, yeah, the Michigan defense, once again, absolutely lights out in the second half. Been a, a continuous thread the past month now. The third quarter, talk about coming out of that locker room only gave up eight total yards in the third quarter and might have gave up just a hair more in the fourth quarter, but that wasn't a whole lot at 55 yards. So uh, incredible, incredible performance in a rivalry game down the stretch. Michigan State came out swinging, you could say, even defensively. They were hitting hard, and they were hitting hard throughout the game mm-hmm. when they were able to make a tackle, but – Uh, From an execution down to down standpoint, Michigan is the one who thoroughly dominated. Yeah, no, no question about it. And, you know, using the same formula that there were some questions whether or not, uh, you know, Michigan State's pass defense is obviously uh, one that you can go get. We didn't necessarily see uh, a lot of that, though. Uh, It's not like J.J. McCarthy had a bad game or anything like that. 
He was 15 to 25 for 167 yards uh, through through a touchdown pass as well. But it was also, you know, I, I think Michigan State made some adjustments on that side of the football to, to kind of shore some things up there. And Michigan was able to, you know, to dominate on the ground, not only with Blake Corum, but J.J. McCarthy using his legs as well. Uh, something that I really like to see. There were some big conversions that J.J. was able to pick up w- with his legs. And ultimately, like, we know the arm talent that J.J. has, you know, and he does. Uh, there's still are some issues with maybe uh, some receivers getting some separation, uh, maybe J.J. locking in on some tight ends and things like that. But ultimately, the upside from J.J. McCarthy, while it does come with his arm, it comes with his legs, right? He's able to use his mobility much more than Cade McNamara, and that's what people have said uh, this entire time, and it really came to fruition in this game against Michigan State. J.J. keeping drives alive, and ultimately, while only two drives converted into touchdowns, you kick that many field goals with a guy like Jake Moody, and ultimately, you, you start squeezing the life out of your opponent, and that's what we saw Saturday night. Oh, yeah. J.J. already, he's showing that he's a game manager. That's the bottom of his ceiling. He's a game manager every bit as good as Cade McNamara was for the Wolverines. And then we're seeing glimpses of his high ceiling and that potential, that untapped potential to where you're seeing him instinctually not hesitate and hit it with a run when there's an open lane. That is something he didn't necessarily do at the beginning of the season. J.J.'s always been a good runner since he's been at Michigan, but J.J. admittedly himself, he said he's somebody who has gotten increasingly faster in the past couple of years, and he's just a couple of years out of high school, still just 19 years old. And it's funny, there's there's some college quarterbacks and 24 years old still young in life too, but Hendon Hooker, for example, from Tennessee, he's almost as old as – I think he's uh, – might be older than A.J. Brown from the Eagles and uh, uh, Sean Clifford. I think he's like 23 or 24 for Penn State. So I know going off track a little bit here, but really my point is how good J.J. already looks in certain facets. And he's just shaking the cobwebs a bit when it comes to accuracy in the intermediate to long area. You can tell he's getting a little amped up and excited and some balls are sailing on him. But at the same time, there are a couple of drops in the game, one from Colston Loveland. There was another in the end zone, which I thought was an NFL caliber throw, an Aaron Rodgers-esque type throw, uh, low, down, to where it was through defenders. Nobody else could have got it. Luke Schoonmaker probably should have made the catch. would have been a hard catch. But – even an incompletion sometimes can wow you for McCarthy. And then there's a flea flicker in which McCarthy had to roll to his right to evade pressure, threw it like a shortstop, uh, doing a double play, and a hell of a strike down the field. So each and every game, even if it's a game where McCarthy was 15 to 25, 167 yards and one touchdown, and the 50 yards in the ground rushing, he has a few wild type plays. And that won't be slowing down. And you talk to, and I've talked to a couple scouts and they think he's the real deal already. So there's no pump the brakes on his NFL prospects or aspirations. It's just going to take him a little more time, a little more seasoning, but he'll get there. And hopefully he gets there by the time Ohio state rolls around. And to your point, it's not like J.J. was checking down all game. He did average 8.6 air yards per pass. He was moving it downfield. Um, It's just, I I think they, 
They just need to figure out some things in the passing game, right? It hasn't come along quite yet. And, you know, this was a great opportunity to maybe see some of that. But ultimately, uh, you go out there and this team has beaten you the last two years and, and you're trying your best to, to put yourself in position to win a Big Ten championship and go to the college football playoff, you don't take any chances with it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, if running the football is the way you get there and using the play action, and that's exactly what Michigan was able to do, um, unfortunately not really able to, to punch it into the end zone, uh, which we would like to see them more. You and I talked about this a little last week, just kind of looking at their uh, success rate here. Uh, on the game, Michigan had a 48.7 percent success rate so 48.7 of their plays uh graded out successfully which is i mean it's half your plays it's it's a huge number uh but only 25 percent in the red zone only scored you know uh in 40 percent of their red zone trips 50 percent of goal to go touchdown percentage um it, it it needs to be better if you're michigan it didn't need to be better here in this game we would like to see a couple of finished drives some of the play calling though right is kind of an issue it michigan uh there's a third and goal from about the the 10 or 11 threw it to the five yard line short of the sticks only one route went into the end zone we saw that earlier this year uh in some games as well and there seemingly is a a hesitancy to throw the ball in the end zone. You got the guy. You got JJ. He's got the arm talent to fit it into some tight windows. Um, and, and quite honestly, you, you mentioned the throw to Schoonmaker, which was fantastic. But I also think he had Ronnie Bell wide open just to the left of him. So I'm, I'm still wondering if JJ is locking in on some targets pre-snap uh, and things like that. Some things you've got to clear up, but we are getting into November. As you're listening to this podcast, it is the last month of the season. Things certainly need to get you know, cleared up, but I'd imagine in games where they feel they need to score more, uh, the, the red zone play crawling is probably going to be a little more aggressive. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I agree. And Jim Harbaugh today... Even he wasn't shying away from the fact that they need to score touchdowns in the red zone. That's what they aspire to do and that they're going to get it cleaned up. So this isn't like years past. Sometimes Harbaugh will say that he will, you know, field goals are cool and points per drive matters and all that. Five for five, sometimes with field goals is unacceptable. Sometimes five for five with field goals will lose you the game or put you in a predicament where you can lose the game. For example, last season against Nebraska on the road in Lincoln, Jake Moody was four for four on field goals and Michigan narrowly won that game escaped on a plane back to Ann Arbor with a win. But uh, yeah, at some point in time that will end up shooting yourself in the foot with that. So 
aggression, locking in on who they feel can be the major catalyst in the red zone. That's also important. Something that Harbaugh said today, not necessarily about the red zone, but he was talking how he wants to get Andrew Anthony. Oh, more involved. I wanted to touch on this. Thank God, man, please, yeah. please. Yeah. So, so Harbaugh was saying he wants to get him more involved and believes he will start getting more catches. So Andrell, he may be one of Michigan's fastest players. And when all things are all said and done, not necessarily this season, but in a year or two, he could be one of Michigan's most electric receivers in quite some time. Him and J.J. McCarthy have a very good rapport and friendship chemistry. I believe that matters too. So I think it's just only a matter of time. It's not a matter if, it's a matter of when. And uh, I believe the time is sooner than later. And we saw it last season in the red zone against Michigan State. J.J. won hell of a play mm-hmm. in East Lansing, a touchdown to Andrell. They just have such a natural chemistry that they know what the other is doing, their tendencies, right? And J.J. kind of knows where he is going to go, and Andrell knows where to go for J.J. and when the ball is going to be coming. So uh, I think down the stretch, he could be a secret weapon for the Wolverines. Luke Schoonmaker, he's had a good season. I would like to see him be utilized a bit more in the red zone. And while well, he was, and he dropped the ball, but I think down the stretch, we'll see more conversions from Schoonmaker in the red zone and uh, Donovan Edwards too, a really good pass catcher, pass catchers at running back can be lethal sometimes. So it isn't like Michigan doesn't have weapons on the offensive side of the ball. And it isn't like they can't use them in the red zone in the passing game. Now, uh, yeah, I guess I should throw it back to you because you certainly had some things to say about Andrell. Well, no, I, th- I think you touched on it perfectly. I just wanted to ask your opinions pretty much. Why isn't Andrell getting more involved? Right. Uh, especially. And, you know, at the end of the day, Cornelius Johnson didn't have the best game in the world, you know, on Saturday. He, he he looked like he was lacking some confidence out there. He had the fumble early on. He had the bad offsides uh, towards the end of the half. Um, just, um, you, you know, when you see things like that, like work on drill a little bit in. We, we saw him, you know, at times be the difference makers of games. The Iowa game had a couple of big catches against zone. He's really good. He's very instinctual, which is the, the thing that I, I don't understand. He's really good. Uh, he can beat man coverage with his speed, but he's really good at finding holes in the zone. So I'm not sure. I, I'm, I do wonder if it's maybe a blocking thing, right? If they, because in order to play in this offense with what Michigan does, on the outside as a receiver, you've got to be an above average blocker. Like a lot of their runs are because of how great the receivers are at blocking. I don't know if they're fully confident in his blocking ability to, to be out there full-time as a receiver. That's the only thing I can think of, Trevor, of why he hasn't seen the field more than he has. And That may very well may be true. I would have to look at the film a little more of that, but he hasn't been receiving a whole lot of snaps of late to even really identify right. the pros or cons to his blocking abilities, but it should be more of a genuine rotation of these Michigan wideouts at this point until a true leader emerges. Of course, Ronnie Bell is right up there, right? Yeah. But besides that, I think some of these guys should be rotated in and out no matter how good of a blocker they are. Time on task matters for young athletes in the college football ranks. And throw them out there, throw them into the fire, 
uh, trial and error. Let's see how it goes. Now, the next couple weeks for the Wolverines, perhaps they will be closer games than we may predict against Rutgers and against Nebraska. But conventional wisdom would say these could be two weeks that you could work some of these guys in a little more and see what they got and develop a little more trust in them before two pivotal games and one we would, really didn't think would be a pivotal game before the season against a now 7-1 Illinois team before Michigan heads to Columbus. So that tail end of the schedule for Michigan right now is looking pretty brutal, but uh, got to figure some things out in the next couple of weeks, whether it's a red zone perspective, whether it is a rotation at receiver perspective, whether it's figuring out anything else on both sides of the ball. So uh, really got to get after it. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Rutgers. We'll touch on it real quick uh, here, Trevor. I mean, again, I understand it's going to be in Piscataway. It's going to be a night game, but there's nothing that you really see from Rutgers that you think should give Michigan uh, much of an issue. You take a look at some of the better teams uh, that they've played. Uh, you know, they, they've played Ohio State. Other than that, they haven't really played uh, a, a Big time schedule. They played Iowa, who they lost twenty-seven to ten to uh, earlier this year. Got absolutely the doors blown off of by Ohio State. Right, like the defense looks pretty good. They've only given up over four hundred yards once on the year, uh, but that was to Ohio State. And Ohio State had a ton of success running the football, seven point four yards a carry in that game. Ohio State didn't even have to throw it much. Only one hundred sixty-one yards through the air. So I don't think this is going to be one of those games where Michigan, you know, tries to to work on some things through the pass game. They're going to go in. They're going to lean on the Rutgers defense and they're going to try and blow them out that way they're going to control the clock they're going to get defensive stops because uh quite honestly you know this Rutgers offense uh, it's been bad o over 400 yards of offense only once here this year came came against Wagner uh in in week number two you know and there's nothing that they do real well they average less than four yards a carry uh their quarterbacks are a abysmal, whether it's Evan Seinman or, or Noah Vedrill, as long as Michigan is able to, uh, you know, get the, the read option kind of contained, you know, more so than they did last year when Rutgers came to the big house. Uh, there, there doesn't seem to be too many paths for victory here for Rutgers, especially if Michigan's able to run the ball as effectively as we think they're going to be able to. Yeah, Rutgers is coming off a loss in Minnesota, 31 nothing got shut out. So it's not like they're trending in the right direction like they were a year ago when going into that week four matchup, they were undefeated going against an undefeated Michigan team. So this matchup doesn't have that same mystique about it. The only thing I'll say is I got to give credit to Greg Schiano. This is a way more competitive Rutgers team on a week to week basis than that. Sorry, Chris Ash era that existed <laughs> yeah, uh, right. prior to Schiano, but uh, that's not saying much either. Right. So what are we looking at? On Saturday night, well, sure, they'll run the football, but the one counter I would make is look at what happened at the tail end of Michigan's game on Saturday night against Michigan State. They're throwing the ball a bit, and some can say, oh, that's just Harbaugh being Harbaugh, the Harbaugh of old who would hold bullies accountable, like Pete Carroll when he was at USC, and try to uh, get some more points, but put some more points on the scoreboard, run up the score, but I would also contend that it was just merely to work some more kinks out. J.J., like you said, averaged a good amount throwing the ball per throw. But consistently on the year, he hasn't been hitting those 20-yarders down the field. So 
I still think this would be a good game once the lead's in hand yeah. to a certain extent to, yeah, o- open up the floodgates a little bit, let J.J. throw, get Andrell out there, get get some guys who need some more reps, whether they're blocking reps, whether they're catching reps, or anything in between, pass rushing reps. So that's kind of what I'm looking for in this game. I, I would like to see a little bit of experimentation. I don't mean that in terms of opening up the playbook, but just uh, just let's let's see a little more. Let's see some aggression. And I do think we will see some aggression on Saturday. And this team could use it. They need to blow off some steam in the proper way after a game that will be remembered for all the wrong reasons a couple days ago. Well, I think that's a good point. And one thing I want to see too, Trevor, uh, as we kind of wrap this up is – Jim Harbaugh, you know, has mentioned it today and has talked about that incident kind of being traumatizing. So how does this team respond? You know, sounds I don't know that they'll have Jamon Green uh, here this weekend on Saturday. It sounds like he does have a concussion after being struck with a helmet. Um, So, you know, how, how does Michigan as a team respond after an incident like this and that's been the big discussion point uh here in the last you know 48 hours since the game so that's that's my you know biggest thing as well obviously Michigan is a much better team than Rutgers but you're on the road you're going to New Jersey it's going to be a hostile environment you know uh that's going to be an interesting thing to look for this this week I think I agree and to me it starts not with Harbaugh Harbaugh is a proven good leader as a head coach but I think this starts with team leadership, and I think Michigan has it. I don't think they're a thin-skinned team. I think they're a thick-skinned team, perhaps more more metal than uh, last year. Blake Corum, I, I think he is a mentally tough guy, and he's going to rally the troops. I think guys like Mike Morris, who have already developed into big-time leaders, will be able to do that. Guys like Mike Samnestil, who always have a serious demeanor, J.J. McCarthy, I think he is starting to become that dude, too, even at the postgame press conference when J.J. said him and Quorum were sitting next to each other so they didn't know what happened yet. But J.J. was serious. He wasn't smiling after a victory. And that's good to see. It's good to see J.J. be loose and smile, but he's developing more into a man before our very eyes. So I think Michigan – they're good. They'll, they'll be good to go. They're going to be able to rise to the occasion, but it's not going to be easy. And yeah, Harbaugh said it was traumatizing and I'm sure it is. A, a guy has a concussion. There is a lawsuit that's going to happen beyond the criminal charges. So there is all this other stuff. And these kids, these young athletes, they have social media. They see what these people are saying online and it's ugly. It's not everybody supporting them. It's some people trying to throw the blame at them, trying to throw the blame at their head coach. So they're going to be tested in more ways than one. But I think after Saturday night, after that game, we'll be saying how mentally tough this team is. I I agree. Looking forward to to Saturday night. Looking forward to just getting past this week, man. Two weeks, both teams uh, on a bye uh, between Michigan and Michigan State. I never want to see it again. Never want to go through uh, two weeks of this rivalry because it's not even, you know, it's not like the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. It's it's all toxic. Uh, We saw it boil over after the game. 
at the big house, just uh, ready to be done with it for another 365. And, and hopefully uh, both teams next year have a game uh, prior to uh, the, the week prior going into the Michigan-Michigan State game. So as we wrap up here, Trevor, uh, where can we find you on social media, my man? Follow me on at Woods Football. At Woods Football, you can find me at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. We do appreciate the feedback, uh, of course. Uh, And, you know, we're looking forward to another great week of Michigan football as we hit the final stretch last month of the regular season. Don't forget to follow the Maze and Brew Twitter page as well, at Maze and Brew. For my partner, Trevor Woods, I'm Luke Giardi, and we'll see you next week on Brewcast.